Hello, welcome to episode 165 of the Casual Try Hard Podcast. I'm Brian. And I'm James. And this week we're doing an evergreen topic. We're talking about, back in our days, Cons <laughs> of Tarkir edition. Yep, not starting at the very beginning, starting at our common beginning. How's that? Yeah, because you, you restarted in Theros block. So like yeah. four sets before me or something. Yep, Born of the Gods, I think, was my okay. first set. So I picked cons because best set and mm-hmm. and where we both started. Yep. So we're kind of taking a page out of the Re- Receivables playbook, not that exact format, but we're just going to kind of reminisce about like cons block. Well, not cons block, cons of Tarkir set. Set in particular, yep. Yeah. Um, there comes weeks where... Either we need a quick episode or there's not a whole lot of things to talk about kind of in the doldrums before like a new set release. A lot of times there's, you know, off weeks where there's just nothing going on. And uh, we thought this might be a fun, fun thing that we can do, you know, from time to time, start working back through our history and maybe eventually catch up to some of the like new releases now. But I think it'll be fun. Yeah, so if you're like, hey, man, I have better ideas for shows than this, you can uh, get us at us on social media. All of the links are in the description. So yep. you can you can track us down and be like, here's a better idea. Yeah, or if you think that there's a better format for this show in particular, like if, the, if there's something about, you know, cons of Tarkir you wished we would have talked about and, you know, maybe we can apply this to other back in my day episodes going forward, uh, let us know. Like Brian said, links are all in the description. Um, also, if you want to help support the show, we have a TCG player affiliate link, tcg.casualtryhardmtg.com. Uh, head over there, sign in like normal. Anything you buy will help support the show. We'll get a little percentage of to help keep us afloat. Um, if you guys want to support us a little bit more directly, you can do so at patreon.com slash casualtryhardmtg. Patrons get access to our show notes. Uh, they get to listen to our pre-show, which this week was basically an entire other episode. So if you want to hear that, you can chip a couple bucks into Patreon. Um, get signed up for that. Along with those two benefits, you also get uh, put on my mailing list every couple months. I send something out in the mail as a, a thank you to everyone who really helps keep us going. Um, so thank you all. And if you want to get added to my list, chip a couple bucks in, sign up, and uh, you'll be eligible. Yeah. The so, one last thing we have is our YouTube, uh, mm-hmm. where you can see our smiling faces. We're trying to do all of our episodes from here on out as video as well. So if you want to watch us on YouTube, we're Casual Tryhard MTG on YouTube. You can catch us there also. Yeah. So uh, doing looking back at uh, Cons of Tarkir, uh, is also timely because uh, I guess a couple weeks ago at this point when you're listening to this, uh, they started the spoilers for New Capenna. Mm-hmm. And New Capenna is a shard set. So Cons of Tarkir was a wedge set. So it yep. was two ally colors and an enemy color Yep. Uh, to make a wedge. And then New Capenna uh, is a a wedge set, or sorry, a shard set where it is the three like allied. No, I guess what is it like? They're one color is 
two has two allies. So like yeah. Grixis is allied with black and red. Yep. So they're they're shared with each other. And they're bringing back a card type from cons. And that is the ascendancies. Yeah, it was a cycle they did back in cons where each faction had its own like enchantment that did something every turn. Yeah. And so we've got Broker's Ascendancy, which is Bant color, so green, white, blue. And at the beginning of your end step, put a plus one, plus one counter on each creature you control and a loyalty counter on each planeswalker you control. On one hand, this screams Commander, but mm. on the other hand, all the cards that the screamed Commander for the last three years have broken every constructed format. So, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I could be missing something. It doesn't seem great, but I also we could also just get clowned by this. Time so, will tell. Yeah, so just look at Agent of Treachery. Golos, <laughs> and it goes on and on. Right, yeah. but you have uh, Broker's Ascendancy, and then uh, they also have a bunch of Trilands. Yep. So they're it's they're... the the opposite ones that we had in Ikoria. So we had um, the Wedge ones in Ikoria, and mm-hmm. we're going to get the Shards ones now with Nukapena. And um, these, due to their commander play, are actually like commanding a pretty high uh, price right now. Like the the ones from Ikoria are still like fifteen dollars, uh, like fifteen to twenty, and depending on like which version and foiling or whatever, even more than that. Yeah, so if these get like cheap-ish around release, like if they get to like eight dollars, there's like kind of like their floor is probably closer to fifteen or twenty long term. Yep, start so, scooping them up. Yeah, just keep an eye out. But like the ascendancies being like a borrowed, you know, card, you know, cycle from cons, it kind of felt natural to talk about cons and some things that like could inform, uh, you might see some things from cons block or from cons of here that could inform how new Capena gets made mm-hmm. and just like, it was fun. So yep. we're going to talk about fun stuff because magic is fun. <laughs> supposed to be at least supposed to be. We're trying to make it fun. Yeah. So, this feels like a million years ago, but... It was a million years ago. Yeah, so the set actually came out September 2014. Yeah, which feels like forever ago. Wild. I had been back, <laughs> I had been back playing since, like, August. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So This wh- was, I believe, my fourth set after I came back. So there was, I think, I'm pretty sure I came back in Born of the Gods, but I didn't play in that pre-release. Um, so it was Born of the Gods, Journey to Nyx, um, Magic that. 2015, mm-hmm. and then this set. Yeah. This was my very first pre-release, like yeah. ever, ever. Yeah, I played in... The Journey pre-release and the 2015 pre-release. So I think this would have been my third one. So because of the nature of the set in that there were the... They're not tribes. Clans. Clans, that's it. Yeah. Your your pre-release kits were clan-themed. Mm-hmm. So they gave you five regular packs. Mm-hmm. And then you got a seated pack. 
So if you got the Saltai, which was black, green, and blue, um, pack your your sixth pack was all cards that were that uh, wedge. Yeah, I think you were that your pre-release promo was in that pack, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. and it wasn't like they are today. Um, like in a traditional pre-release today, you can get any rare or mythic from the set as your pre-release promo. Um, back then, there were only specific cards you could get as a pre-release promo. Yeah, there were. There was a handful of them. Yeah, so you would have I don't know like one of 10 different cards as your pre-release promo instead of like literally every rare had a printing as a pre-release promo. Yeah. Um, and that, so that was in your seated pack. And then there were cards obviously of the colors that the clan was, but there were also cards that made sure had like that clan's mechanic as well. Mm -hmm. So there were cards, like if you were opening a salt eye pre-release kit you were going to have delve cards and hopefully be able to build a salt die deck out of that because you're kind of already headed in that direction. Yeah. So, um, this led to one of the, the, the thing of you'd open your other five packs and all the cards for your clan were garbage. So you basically threw away your seated pack. Yeah. And then the other one that was good. Do you remember when people were getting the wrong seated pack? They no, get, I don't remember that. There were a couple people that got like a Saltai pack, like a Saltai pre-release kit, and then got a Jeskai seated pack. <laughs> I I distinctly remember that. So I don't know how real it was, but I remember people being like, I got the wrong seated pack. Like, I didn't yeah. want Jeskai. I got, you know, I, I have Jeskai cards. But, so this is different than now, uh, in that, like now, it's just like they just can basically just give you six packs, mm-hmm. and then a pre, and then your pre-release rare. Uh, these were much more of a like a kit. The ones now, like they come in a box and they call them a kit, but they're not really a kit. Well, like for guilds and allegiance, you picked a guild, right? Did they have a seated pack? I don't I remember. Don't, I maybe maybe the promo was for a given thing but i thought it was just regular okay um i do know that for new capenna we're gonna pick a family oh we're gonna pick a family okay yeah so i don't don't know if there's gonna be a seated pack or not but i know you're picking a family for pre-release okay that might be that might just like say like what colors your your promo is gonna be or whatever yeah maybe but like it was a way Especially like if you're like I like I really am like drawn to the things that this clan is doing. I want to play that playstyle. I'm trying to remember which yeah. one. It was Dawnbringer Charioteers for um, Journey to Nyx okay. was like leaps and bounds better than every other promo. Mm-hmm. And I think for Journey to Nyx, there were only five pre-release promos. So there was one for each color. Gotcha. And that one was leaps and bounds above the rest. So, like, if you got the white one, like, you you just won your pre-release. Yeah, there was um, one of them. 
sold out. I forget which one it was. But that that is the like danger of the seated packs mm-hmm. is like especially after like a like the the first pre-release and you're like, "Oh my gosh." Yeah. Like this strategy is so much better than everything else. Then like all the Just Guy ones get sold out. Yeah. For the next pre-releases. And I know that happened, but I forget which one it was for. Yeah, I don't remember which one sold out. Um I want to say it was Abzan. It may have been. I, I have uh, some Abzan uh, stories or things I yeah. remember about Abzan. Um, so this is when like pre-releases were huge. Right. Huge, right. huge, huge. Like, uh, yes. A- according to the WPN website, um, pre-release packs, four streets of new Compena will have a seated booster. Okay. The draft booster contains cards entirely aligned with the family on the box, making pre-release packs more faction-friendly. Ooh, faction-friendly. So this is back when, you know, whatever, Myrtle Beach at that point had like 50, 60,000 people in it, maybe maybe 40. Mm -hmm. And like cons pre-releases were between probably 40 to 80 people. Mm -hmm. Right? They were huge. In a town that is not that giant and that had another store. Right. That also had, I'm assuming, a reasonable size pre-release. Yeah, I I never went to one of their pre-releases. But yeah, Yeah. I mean, there there were certainly pre-releases that I remember not having enough table space. And I think he had space for 100 people to sit. Definitely fate. I remember distinctly sitting on the floor. But I might have been sitting on the floor for cons, too. Yeah. Uh but yeah, these were these were a big deal. They were a really mm-hmm. big thing. Uh, so let's talk about the set. So we already talked about like mechanically, it was wedges, mm-hmm. right? And each clan had their own uh, thing that they did, their own mechanic associated with them. So what were the mechanics? What were the the, the clans yeah, doing? Yeah, I think like at the time these were all new, with the exception of Delve. Um, so the first one is yes. the Sultai clan was green, black, and blue. Um, the mechanic for that clan was Delve that we had seen in Time Spiral, right? That was the only place it had been printed there before. There are two cards that had Delve, Tombstalker, Tombstalker. and it yeah. Death Rattle. Yeah, I think like so. Kill target like non-green creature or something weird. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then all of the rest of them are new mechanics. Um, they're ones that you're going to recognize because they've, they've showed up since them, even if they weren't named. Um, but Delve was the only one that existed prior to this. So yeah. like we said, Sultai had Delve, um, Mardu was red, black, and white, and its mechanic was raid. So it cared if you had attacked with a creature that, that turn, which I don't think has come back named as raid, but there's pretty much a card in every set that cares if you've attacked with a creature that turn. It came back in Ixalan. It was the it was the pirate mechanic. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yep. Yep. And then uh, Teamer is red, blue, and green, and its mechanic was ferocious. Was basically just caring about having a creature with power four or greater. Yeah. It. It was kind of the Ferris Beyond Death mechanic for yeah, a little bit. red green, but it wasn't like keyworded. Yeah, right? it, was it was the draft archetype, right? Yeah, like Nessian Horn yeah. Beetle 
Like, got a yeah. counter if you had something, like, with power four or greater. There was, mm-hmm. like, some, like, one green-red creature that could only... It was, like, big, but it could mm-hmm. only attack if you controlled another creature with power four or greater. Yep. So, yeah. It was, but, like, Garrick's mechanic in... Uh, was it Core 21 also? I think, or yeah. Or Core 20. Something whichever so- one was the Planeswalkers. Mm-hmm. Um, like, he, he had a bunch of cards that cared about having a creature with power four or greater. Yeah. Then we had, and then we had Abzan, uh, black, green, white, and its mechanic was Outlast. Um, this came back in Modern Horizons 2, I think. There was like a card or two with Outlast. Um, mechanic is super forgettable. It's not very good. But um, it had an ability where you could pay a mana and tap it to do something, like put a counter on itself or something. It was You put a um, plus one, plus one counter on that creature. Yeah. But it had to be at sorcery speed. Mm-hmm. So, like, you couldn't block and do it. You could only do it or use it, like, to attack or block, which is kind of weird, mixed for not great games. Yeah. it. They had some cards that were, like, plus one, plus one counters matter cards, like mm-hmm. Abzan Falconer, which is, hey, any creature you have with a plus one, plus one counter have flying. Mm-hmm. So there's like one for flying, one for lifelink. Probably. Yeah. There's probably one for trample too. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. But they have um but yeah, it was not the best. I don't think it saw like any constructed play. And No, like, I don't think so. And it wasn't a great draft archetype either. Yeah. And then uh the last one you're definitely gonna recognize because it's become evergreen. And that's Jeskai with Prowess. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeskai is white, blue, red. And I'm sure you all know what Prowess does by now. It's in every set now. Yeah. But it was a new mechanic then. And then we have Morph. Yeah, the glue that holds the set together. Yes. So Morph was uh, creatures with Morph. You could pay three generic mana. And you could play them face down and they'd be a 2-2. Mm-hmm. And they had a cost associated with them to flip them over mm-hmm. and make them not a 2-2, make them whatever creature they actually were. Right. And some creatures had an effect when they unmorphed. So I think like, what yep. was it Ponyback Brigade made one ones when it unmorphed? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So The cool thing about morph and the reason it's so important for this set and kind of the reason we were talking about Nuka Pena earlier is that in sets that are focused on shards or wedges, like three color pairings instead of two color pairings, um, you need something for the limited environment to do while you're fixing your mana. Like while you're making sure you have all of your colors and can cast all of your spells that you know require all three colors a lot of times, you need something else to do. And morph having a generic mana as the cost to morph the thing gives you something to do early while you're kind of setting up for your late game. Um, and this is something I had like what what did what did we learn from this set or format, right? Mm-hmm. Is that having like limited environments that have both smoothing mechanics, which mm-hmm. is what morph is, right? It smooths out your mana, right? Yep. You could. You could be a teamer deck 
and have three forests on the battlefield and have a turn three play. Right. Right. So it gives you that smoothing mechanic, but it gave you a mana sink as well. Because there mm-hmm. was a whole cycle of commons that unmorphed for two and then their um then their their wedge. Mm-hmm. So like Ponyback Brigade unmorphed for two white, red, black. So you had one card gave you something to do on turn three, and then when you drew your two other uh your two lands of the other color, you now had something to do on turn five. Right. So one card smoothed you on the front end and gave you a mana sink on the back end. Like you always had something to do with your mana because of morph. Mm-hmm. So you never. Are there f- any like other mechanics that kind of did a similar thing that filled both roles, or is morph the only one? I think morph might be the only one that comes to mind. Usually, yeah. usually now, uh, the way they get around this now is sets right like what modern modern magic is you never run out of things to do so you're you're like cards now every card has like draw a card on it or some like activated ability so you just incidentally are getting cards that do everything or that like keep your hand full this was like old timey magic where we were still like you could get empty-handed yeah like and not have like you know two secret cards on the battlefield you know, like, oh, if I pay this three mana, I get a 2-2 Samurai, and I draw a card. You activated my trap card. Yeah, like, you don't have, <laughs> like, you know, you don't have that yeah. in um, in older Magic sets. So this was, yeah, I can't think of another one that kind of did, like, both ends. Yeah, like, the most recent is Cycling, mm-hmm. that kind of smoothed you and maybe fixed your mana a little bit, but didn't really give you like something there was no mana sink in cycling yeah so i guess there kind of was because if you drew like if your cycling card was a dud that you drew late game you could like it's a place to use your mana yeah um so like in shards block Mm -hmm. the smoothing mechanic was cycling okay like a lot of the remember like old living end from like 2015 2016 where you were like cycling yeah. like pale recluses and stuff yeah. like pale recluses from shards block yeah right monstrous like, carabid yeah like these like eh, these air eh commons that just like cycled for uh to like get you a land or whatever yeah. like you know where they were like fine we'll give you a new card so since you can't cast this one Mm-hmm. Uh, Morph was like, here, we're going to give you a card you can always cast if you hit your third land drop. Yeah. So, like, you know, make sure you, like, put 18 lands in your deck so yep. you always hit your third land drop and that you uh, know you're going to hit your fifth land drop to unmorph this thing. Yeah. And the thing about Morph, uh, Morph allowed you to play, like, a head game. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, you attack with your 2-2. What is it? Yeah, exactly. Well, do I block with my 2-2 and then you unmorph it and just eat my 2-2? Right. Or, right, is it that stupid, like, was, uh, I forget what it was called. It was, like, one in a, a blue for, like, an 0-4 wall that, like, unmorphed by you showing a blue card from your hand. 
Yeah. Well, like, I'm just going to trade my 2-2 for your 2-2 if it's an 0-4. Right. Right? So, like... That's not going to do anything anyway. Maybe you block because you want to unmorph your thing and eat mine. Yeah. But maybe... So, like, you got to play this head game. You Mm -hmm. also got to do something that uh, I assume they would do on Arena, which is at the end of every game, you had to flip over all of your morph cards. I don't think they do it on Arena. Do are there any morphs on Arena right now? Um no, but I don't remember what it was. There was something that I thought you would have to reveal and they didn't. Oh, it was companions. They never showed us your opponent's deck. Oh, well, the only way it could be their companion is if it was compliant. So on arena, well, right on arena, the only way you can morph is if it's compliant. Fair, fair. But like in like a regular game of paper magic, if I showed you a Loris, yeah, you wouldn't get to look at my deck to make sure everything was CMC three or less. But if I cast, um, if I cast a you Lily, could judge though, I think. I think it was or something. The judge could verify. But I, I don't know. We never had to because there weren't any events. <laughs> yeah, but I think it was like. If you show me a Loris and then cast a Liliana the Veil, mm. clearly I know that Lily can't be in your deck with a Loris. So I know right. that you don't have the companion thing. I think was how it was supposed to be. It had to be something that was like easily verifiable <clears throat> and someone could tell, like, oh, wait, like you cast a two drop in your Obosh deck. That's yeah. not allowed. But yeah, they might not make you do that. But you used to, in Paper Magic, back in my day, Right at the end of the game, you had to flip over all of your morphs to show make sure you pe- weren't cheating. That yeah, that you just didn't like slam a forest and call it a morph. Yeah, like yeah, it's a morph. I'm just not gonna unmorph it, <clears throat> and it's like a forest, and it's like oh, oops. Yeah. So, uh, but m- part of the reason I brought this up is like this new Capenna needs a smoothing mechanic. Hmm. Um, it's all about like gangs and espionage, right? Yep. And like one of the factions is like has to deal with like information. I think the Esper faction is like information and like deception and stuff. Yeah, they're shady lawyers or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like but like there's definitely like you could see like, oh, morph being the mechanic that is tied to probably everyone. Right. That's like, oh, hey, we're like trying to do espionage and infiltrate things. So you don't know what we are. Yeah. Right. Because we just had cycling and they can't do a three color set without like a smoothing mechanic. Yeah. They um, I think Marrow said on his blog that even though the triomes have cycling, they're the only cards with cycling in the set. Gotcha. So. Yeah. Cycling is not the smoothing mechanic. So it's going to have to be either something new or like morph morph seems I the guess best. treasures like treasures could work but we just did that let's hope that's not it yeah like I don't know if I could handle like I don't know blue white ramping with treasures <laughs> yeah like it's bad enough when you're when your opponent has to go with a third color so they can play their like turn four to fairy hero of dominaria yeah if they, if they just get to do it in hard blue white <laughs> no thank you 
It's like it's a deck and stone, but you get the uh, you get the treasure as opposed to giving your opponent the yeah. the clue. It's like no, we're not what we wanted. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Morph was our mechanic for to smooth out this set because I'm like, well, they're doing the cool. ascendancies, and everyone looks back at uh, cons as like like top five draft formats of all time. Mm-hmm. So I would be pretty, you know content with with morph coming back and they did the ascendancies so yep all right so what were our um what were the things that we were doing in in limited so um i mean like we said every every clan or every faction or whatever had its own mechanic that you could kind of build around but like that's not super exciting to talk about like the different variations of your raid deck or your delve deck or whatever um, but there was one archetype that I pointed out the best yeah. archetype. <laughs> uh, and if they have Morph and New Capanna, this is the draft archetype that you guys should all get on early, unless I'm yep. in your pod. Uh, <laughs> and that is the deck I would play to the point where people, after a while, knew that I was going to cut all the dual lands in the pod in pack mm-hmm. one was five color morphs. So the ideal build, there was uh, a rare called Trail of Mystery. It was like one in the green. Mm-hmm. And whenever you unmorphed a card, you got to search your deck for a land, I think, and put it into your hand. Yeah. Um, so you would want to get Trail of Mystery. But, like, ideally you would open Trail of Mystery. Then you were just 100% in, right? Then you just take all of the, all of the lands. Mm-hmm. So cons to make the lands work uh you had in i think every pack one of the commons or the basic land slot was replaced by a, a dual land yeah so, it was a comes into play gain a life yeah comes so into play tap gain a life i think this is where the gain lands initially came from so the best lands in the best duels in popper started in cons yep and then at the uncommon slot they had the um they had Trilands. Comes into play, yeah, Trilands, yeah. Yeah, uh, basically the, the headquarters of each clan. Yep. Um, and so uh, you would just take all of those because it didn't matter what your mana did because then you would just take all of the good morphs in the later packs, all the uncommon and common mm-hmm. morphs that were good. You just take them because you have... 12 dual lands in your deck it doesn't yeah. matter what their unmorph cost is because you will eventually have those colors mm-hmm. so you just know on turn three you're slamming a 2-2 <laughs> and then on turn four you're slamming a 2-2 and yeah. then on turn five you would get to unmorph them hopefully and you could just like outpower your opponent that way and the deck was it out from there. a ton of fun yeah and like was the thing I like tried one of the draft most often. Now this is when I was like newer to draft. Mm-hmm. So I forced this way more times than I should have. <laughs> but it was it was a lot of fun. It was like I'm sure other sets did this, but this was my first one and like you see it come up later. Like the you know, the like there's just a five color random deck. Right? Yeah. Like I've heard talk that uh Kamigawa just like has a take all the cards, figure it out. Yeah. Uh, deck like whatever the 
the the the Kami War, that mythic. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that card's totally playable. I'm like, I, I haven't played it yet, but okay, I'll believe you. But like that, like th- that's just the thing you can do. This was just a set that you could just do whatever, mm-hmm. and it would work. You would also uh, another thing is like it was really hard for you to ever be short on playables. Because yeah. what if you're like a Mardu deck and you're like short playables? Well, you took an off color morph. Congratulations, it's a three mana two two it's gray your, ogre. Yeah, this is your three mana two two. Yep. It, Blocks with other morphs, and if you can't unmorph it ever, okay, you have a three mana two two. It at least has power and toughness. It yep. can trade with something. Yep. They're on a ten turn clock. Let's go. Like you can, <laughs> you can still use the card. So it just yeah. made way more cards live. Mm-hmm. I also started like think of how wild like morph would be like now. Just be unmorphing like some crazy stuff or like. Your hand's always full just playing morphs. Like <laughs> the the morph neighbor probably be like whenever you unmorph a creature, like draw two cards or something wild. <laughs> like, oh, this is great. Um so that was that was the limited archetype. Target permanent your opponent controls into a morph. <laughs> morph target permanent. Yeah. Uh it, it has uh unmorph cost equal to its casting cost. Yeah. Oko shows up on New Capenna. Instead of making things elks, he just plus pluses and makes things morphs. <laughs> but he pluses too, so that way the morph can't actually kill him ever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, we didn't expect you to morph your own stuff. Yeah, we didn't expect that to happen. It's like, uh, <laughs> um, so now we have the um, the the standard archetypes. Yeah, these I just pulled from um, like the PT lists. I pulled off a of goldfish, and we'll just kind of talk about a couple of okay. them. Now, um, before we get into them, mm-hmm. this is the standard that, and I don't know. It's probably partly because this was early when we got back, but this is always the standard we go back to for mm-hmm. like this is what like a standard should look like. There was yeah. some churn, right? Mm-hmm. Like we have three different versions of the Obzon deck on here, and yep. different weeks, different things were better. You but also there... have two different versions, of, three different versions of the Jeskai deck, something like that. Yeah, and like there were also other decks floating around that were like, you know, tier one point five, that mm-hmm. were like good competitive decks. And I don't know if you saw some of the tweets going into like this uh, set championship. This Mm-mm. that is an alchemy set championship. And Brad Great. Nelson was like, "Was it like fifteen percent of people are going to play runes? Twenty percent of people are going to play decks that they think beats runes but doesn't. Fifteen percent of people are going to play the deck that actually beats runes. Ten mm-hmm. percent uh, of people are going to play the deck." that beats all the piles that people think are going to beat runes and the remaining 20% are just going to play runes. (laughs) And it's just like, Oh, that sounds awful. Yeah. Right. Like I, I feel like the, the, the thing here was, um, uh, like you had, you had a lot more decks that could like realistically win something. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, how that changes 
if you were to take Cons of Tarkir standard and throw it into Arena. True. If, like, you spit out that, like, no, no, this 75 is the best, most most ruthless version of Abzan. Yeah. And this is what everyone's going to play. Plus or minus, like, two cards. Yeah. Right, like the, we have uh, now. The power level across these was pretty flat. Like you said, there was a lot of good churn. Um, yeah. I don't think any of these were realistically a ton more powerful than any other. It was just kind of whatever play style you liked playing, there was a deck that you could play. Yeah. And so that that's why we always go back to it as like, oh, this was a really good format. Because mm-hmm. there wasn't like we, we always we always bring up like the like elevens. Yeah. Like the there wasn't an eleven I in, don't think in so. this set. Like there were some really good cards. But there wasn't like an, oh man, if this thing resolves, the game just ends. There no, the, I mean, the game didn't end until you cast your third Siege Rhino. Yeah, or like your second Wingmate <laughs> Rock or something. Yeah. All right, so I will I will leave all the Obzen varieties to you, but I will I will do Jeskai. I'll do the okay. first Jeskai. So there was like a Jeskai aggro deck. This was the Cameron Galindo special. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, he played the tokens version too, I think. But. Yeah. So, uh, Jeskai Aggro had Mantis Rider, so blue, red, uh, white, red for a 3 3 haste flying vigilance. You might know it from modern humans. Yes. Um, it had Goblin Rabble Master, like a, at that time, like unheard of, like 10 or $15, like rare, standard rare. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, a 2-2 two, two for 3 that made a goblin each turn that had to attack. And when it attacked, uh, when Goblin Rabbit Master attacked, it got plus 1, plus 0 oh for each goblin that attacked with it. Yep. So the turn it got to attack, it would be a 4-2. So on turn 4, it would be a 4-2 with yeah. two one ones attacking with it. Um, Seeker of the Way uh, from Khan. So Rabble Master was from uh, Core 15 or M15. Yep. But... Mantis Rider and uh, Seeker of the Way, which is like a 2-2 with Prowless, because Lifelink was from Cons. Uh, you have some, you just have some burn. And then Jeskai Charm, which like mm-hmm. gave all your creatures Lifelink and pump them, right? Or dealt four. Yeah. It, like, I don't remember f- all the modes. It dealt four, gave your creatures Lifelink, and then pump them, maybe? That might have been the third mode. Uh, but like the, the deal four was, was, uh, pretty good in this deck. Mm-hmm. Same with like, you could swing races by giving your creatures lifelink. Yeah, it did. It did a lot. So yep. this was like, this was like a, a deck that was good, but was always probably a little bit behind whatever version of Obzon was being played at the time. Yeah. So what were, what were our, our green black X cards? <laughs> Mr. Mr. Green Black X. Um, well, we had three different versions of Abzan. There was an Abzan mid-range deck, an Abzan control deck, and an Abzan aggro deck. And they all played Siege Rhino because Siege Rhino was pretty absurd. Mm-hmm. Um, they looked very similar. Um, obviously, whether you're like control slanted or aggro slanted is going to change like the type of interaction you had. Um, control decks are going to play more removal and aggro decks are going to play more aggressive creatures. 
Um, so you could, if you could determine which version you were playing against, you could kind of either play around or not play around various removal spells. Um, but basically the creatures is what told you which version you were playing against. Um, the aggro decks played Rakshasa Death Dealer. It was green-black for a 2-2, and you could pay green-black to pump it, and I think it had Death Touch, if I remember correctly. Something like that, yeah. Or you could give it Death Touch. Some, something like that. Uh, but it was an aggressive two-drop creature. Um, they always, or they also played the Lion from Theros. Um, the one that you could monstrous it and put counters on it and make it hexproof. Do you remember I've, what that was called? I've never been more disappointed in you in my life. It's Fleecemane Fleece Lion. Fleecemane. Yeah, Fleecemane Lion. Yep. You probably and cast a million it's got planes in it. It's, it's got, got planes, planes in it. it. I understand. I understand. You cast way more <laughs> Fleecemane. I guess I was more on the other side of Fleecemane Lion's go like, oh man, if this thing, if they get to turn five, like I just lose to this. I have to kill this <laughs> thing before, before we get to turn five. Yeah. Um, um, and then they also, oh no, I guess that wasn't around until the end of the format because there was Warden of the First Tree also, but I guess that didn't come until, um, Dragons. Yeah. Um, so basically the two drops were what determined if it was the aggro version of the deck or not, the Fleece Mane and the Death Dealer. And then the mid-range deck played Anafens of the Foremost, which was uh, green, white, black for a 4-4, four, four, and it exiled graveyards and pumped creatures. Any any creature that went to the graveyard from anywhere that your opponent controlled yeah. was exiled, and then when Anafenza attacked, you could pick one creature, one other creature to put a plus one, plus one counter on. Yep. Um, so the mid-range deck played that just as kind of a mid-range threat. Um, that also, there were a couple decks that utilized the graveyard also, so it kind of had some sideways utility as well. Um, but the main creature that the mid-range decks played that the other ones didn't was the Wingmate Rock, which was kind of slept on during a preview season and then was a $30 Mythic so almost as soon as the set came out. It was three white-white uh, for a 3-4 flyer. Mm -hmm. that had raid and if you had attacked the raid was make a second three four flyer yeah so just real quick i i think this is important so i looked up rakshasha death dealer okay so this was a rare that was played in one of the best standard decks of the time mm -hmm. <clears throat> this card is not playable now it oh is, no no it's it bad black green for a 2-2 two, two. like you got that part right black yep. green it gets plus 2 plus 2-2 two, two end of turn yeah I got that part right too black green regenerate it oh so not death touch not but death regenerates touch, regen <laughs> but like in my head I thought it was just like a mana to give it plus 2 plus 2 oh no not 2 no. mana Yeah, like, like that's just wildly bad um yep in in modern magic so yep. so so bad <laughs> uh just to like give you guys all a feel of, of like a uh, power creep there it is ladies and gentlemen like that's an uncommon now yeah and then uh the control decks basically played elspeth sun's champion 
Yeah. Um, and played way less creatures. They played sometimes they played the Wingmate Rock, they played the Siege Rhinos, and that might have been it. Um, they played there was a couple different wraths around that time, plus Elspeth had a kind of a built in wrath, and that was you just played some hand disruption, you played a whole bunch of removal spells and eventually stuck in Elspeth. So uh, the thing that Obzon had going for it was one, it had Thoughtseize because Thoughtseize had been printed in Theros. Mm-hmm. So it had Thoughtseize, which um, was the most powerful card in that format. Mm-hmm. And then it had the one, two punch. Oh, really? There's like three things, right? It had Siege Rhino, which was probably the best creature in the format. Mm-hmm. Right. It had Wingmate Rock, second best creature in the format. And then it had Obzon Charm. Yeah. And Obzon Charm let you like exile a creature. I forget what the writer was on it. Or let you yeah, like or let you draw draw two draw cards and lose two cards. Life. Yeah. So it was a card that was like you know, it was it was a modern card. So exile creature with power three or greater. So exactly the kind of creature you want to exile. Draw mm-hmm. two cards or put two plus one plus one counters on among uh, among one or two target creatures. So no one really ever used it for the third mode unless it was yeah, killing no. them. So it was basically the first two modes. The you know it was removal spell or card draw. Yep, which is exactly like what you want like oh there's no creatures on the battlefield i guess i'll take a a, a, a draw spell mm-hmm. oh i have four cards in my hand and i need to kill that siege rhino i got that covered too yeah right it was like super divination yep so modal divination yes exactly so like the glue that held all these together was like thought sees siege rhino obsession mm-hmm. charm like those were like the cards that were always there yeah, like the removal around this time was pretty good too. Um, mm-hmm. Murderous Cut was uh, Delve. It was four and a black for uh, instant with Delve, and it just killed a creature. Um, so a lot of times, especially with fetch lands and stuff, that was just a one-mana kill spell. You had, I guess, Ultimate Price wasn't around anymore. That was RTR. We have he- we had Heroes Downfall. Oh, yeah, you had Heroes Downfall. Yeah. At rare. So the, the- <laughs> yeah. It's an uncommon now. Yeah. Um, Wait, so yeah, yeah, like the removal was good too. And you, like you said, with the hand disruption, you had Thoughtseize. It's like the best discard spell that has been printed. Yeah. Right. There was that, like the, like, you know, your curve was usually like, you know, Thoughtseize into Fleece Main Lion or Death Dealer or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then like your turn three was Courser of Crufix. Mm-hmm. Right, oh where, yeah that was that's another card that like the reason all three of these decks could exist is be kind of because of Corsair or Crufix. Corsair and then the temples like kind of yeah. like put everything together and this is like coming back to magic this was one of the first times that like you know uh, people were like playing 26 27 28 lands and they're like mid-rangey control deck yeah. Right, when I was like, oh, I just want to play as many lands as I can because I, I have to hit my fourth land for Siege right now. Mm-hmm. But these Scry lands let me put all my extra lands to the bottom. Yep. So I'm just going to play more lands to make sure I always hit my fourth. And Corsair lets you get the extra ones off the top. 
Yeah. So like it was just like this like, confluence of things. Yeah. And like the other reason that Corsair was important is because it kind of kept the aggro decks in check. Mm-hmm. It had a real big butt on it, so you couldn't easily attack through it. And it was incidental life gain every turn. Yeah. So like this is like so when we talk about like churn, right? Like you could just put together like Obzan Agro Agro. Obs on agro. <laughs> Obs on agro. Are we British now? I guess. <laughs> or just got like hit in the head. Um, and Spent too like, much money this week. Yeah, too much. Too much. <laughs> too much maintaining me, my car, and my house. Uh, but uh, you could just build aggro and be like, cool, that's my deck. But realistically, mm-hmm. like some weeks can Abzan control was a little bit better. Other weeks, Abzan mid-range is a little bit better so there was some churn as to like what is everyone else going to play what is the deck i should play to answer that yep right um then you have the then you have one of the what are other people playing deck this is the deck i played a lot um i played the second version but there's jeskai ascendancy so Mm -hmm. this is white blue red for an enchantment that whenever you cast a non-creature spell, your creatures get plus one, plus one, and you untap them. And you also yep. get to loot. Yep. So there was a combo version where you play like Sylvan Caryatid and like Retraction Helix. And Retraction Helix was like tap, uh, target creature gains tap, return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand. Yeah, I think so. So you would like cast retraction helix on something and then you could tap it bounce your opponent's permanent cast a spell untap uh and then bounce a bunch of stuff you cast two or three spells you bounce your opponent's whole board and then you've bought yourself time and you would do it you would use caryatid because it would let you uh, it would let you make mana but it was also hexproof so like if you helix that but if you had multiple mana dorks in your deck that has to cast a blue, red, white spell, you have your green <laughs> mana dorks, yeah. then that lets you um, uh, uh, like just keep generating mana to cast more spells. And you're looting so you can turn your bad... your The land that you drew, you can turn into a spell eventually and try right. to like keep, keep it going. Um, so... The other deck, which was probably a little bit better, mm-hmm. was Jeskai Tokens, where you would go wide with things like Raise the Alarm, Hordling Outburst. Uh, it would also play Rabble Master. Mm-hmm. And then you would play like Ascendancy and then start casting spells. And now all your creatures are getting big. Yeah, every time you remove a blocker or you know hit your opponent with a burn spell, it pumps your team. Right, and so there was um, Stoke the Flames, which is two uh, red-red for deal four to any target. Mm-hmm. Um, with Convoke. With Convoke. So you could tap, like, three go- uh, four goblins. Cast it for free. They would untap. You would loot. And now you've got, a bu- you've got two two goblins instead of one one goblins, and your opponent's at 16. And now you're like, oh, man, I just got to, like, put together, like, two more spells, and they're dead. Mm-hmm. Right, so um, that deck was like a like depending on the version that of Abzan it was being played. That was sometimes the foil to Abzan. 
Yeah. Was like you could get like going and be able to get through them that way. Cause like you could overwhelm the removal by playing a bunch of like little things that ended up having to matter. Also, we have a card that was banned in Legacy. <laughs> uh, we had Treasure Cruise. I mean, it's still banned in Legacy. Yes. Yes. Yeah. To let you know how wild Treasure Cruise was, there was also Dig Through Time. And we went, nah. I'll just take three cards, thank you. Yeah. Right. So Treasure Cruise, like you just play a bunch and then you just be like, oh, draw three cards, keep it going. Yeah. So this was like, again, like you had like some weird combo-y way to play mm-hmm. uh, that worked out really well. So you had like your traditional mid-range stuff and you had like a reasonable combo deck that wasn't like busted and like they clearly knew it was going to be there, but wasn't just like required 12 parts and like never came together right so then you have a deck that i remember vaguely playing against but never played (laughs) heroic heroic um yeah there were actually two different versions of this deck that existed like through the cons block um neither one of them ran any cons cards probably other than fetches though yeah um The heroic was a mechanic from the original Theros where if you targeted a creature with heroic, something would happen. It would get a counter, you'd gain a life, whatever. It just cared about the thing being targeted. And it would, it was kind of an aggro deck where you just kind of pumped up your team and swung in. Um, Not a whole lot to say about it because we're talking about cons and it didn't have any cons cards in it. So, but it was, it was a deck that, at least kept everyone else a little honest because it could go mm-hmm. like, was it the Trailblazer, the one mana like O mm-hmm. three or 04. something O four? I think it's an O four. Yeah. yeah, and then they could just be like, it's it's basically Boggles, mm-hmm. but instead of putting enchantments on things, you had like God's willing, and then you were just like you know, pump spell, pump spell, attack you. The next yeah, turn, like pump dead. spell, pump spell, God's willing, you're dead. Yep. It was a. Uh, to really date ourselves, it was the Tom Ross special. Yes. Right? It was yep. like, it was infect and standard, mm-hmm. basically. Then there another deck that I don't know if you played. I remember playing against. And Logan was, played Sidisi Whip. Um, so, so did uh, David Hammond. I remember him playing it. Oh, okay. I, I had all the pieces for it, but I was really into Absan at this time. Um, I think. Like current James would have liked Sidisi Whip better, but yeah. way back when James was very deep in Abzan. So Sidisi Whip was built around Sidisi Brew Tyrant. So it was one blue black green for a three three, and mm-hmm. when it entered the battlefield or attacked, you milled the top three cards of your deck, and if you put a creature into your graveyard, you got to make a zombie. Anytime a a creature is put into your graveyard from your library, you make a zombie. So So, not just from Sidisi's trigger. Okay. Uh, uh, And then um, you played Whip of Erebus, which was two two black-black for a legendary artifact that gave all your creatures lifelink for reasons, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but then was like two black-black return a creature from your graveyard to the battlefield, it got sacrificed at the end of the turn, or did it just stay? I, um, I think it got exiled at the end of the turn. Exiled. It didn't get to stay. And it gained haste. Yeah. So you would play Sidisi, 
flip stuff over and then you would whip it back yep. with your with the whip and you know you were getting everything had life links so you could like gain life and you could kind of have like some toolboxy stuff going on because you could just you know you need tons of copies of things because you were milling stuff over all the time yeah this deck also ran the um the soul cycle mm-hmm. from m15 so there was like a big giant fatty that had a etb trigger like in each color like it, it did something it also had they also had a exile exile from the graveyard yeah. yes it was like soul of zendikar was the green one mm-hmm. the blue one was soul of ravnica i forget what they did yep. uh but they all had like uh they all had like a big ability uh let's see if i can find one here I think Soul of New Phyrexia exiled and made your creatures indestructible till in a turn or something for here's, six mana. Okay, here's a black. Soul of Chandelar re-released the game. So it was uh, six mana, six, six for a strike for four red, red. And it had... So I need glasses. Uh, <laughs> as I get closer to the screen, it had three red, red. Uh, it deals three damage to target creature or player and up to one target creature that player controls. And then same amount, exile it from your graveyard and do the same thing. Yeah. Soul of Ravnica was draw a card for each color among permanents you control for five blue-blue, and then it exiled for the same thing. Mm-hmm. So you had these like these things that wanted to be in the graveyard because you could like get value from them in yeah. the graveyard. But they were also, like, reasonable things to whip out of the graveyard, too. Yeah, like, you know, hey, here's here's a 6-6 six, six flyer that I whipped out of the graveyard. Oh, yeah. okay. I guess I'm just going to have to take that. You'll and the gain, whip gives it lifelink. Yeah, you'll gain 6, I'll lose 6. Yeah. Cool. And now uh, you're going to, like, mill something else next turn, so this is going to keep happening. Okay. So, secret about James, one of my guilty pleasures... Um, my favorite EDH deck is Sidisi. Oh. Yep. I have had that deck together. Not that I always have an EDH deck together, but that's uh that's one I've had together more than any other. That commander. is that is your your uh, your commander there we go. We've learned something. Now. A guilty pleasure. <laughs> guilty pleasure. Um so yeah, so it was like it was one of those like tier 1.5 tier 2 like it was really popular when the set first came out and then it kind of fell off yeah it was a lot of fun yeah i think that's why it stuck around is it was a lot of fun to play but i think like it was we've talked about like sometimes you're just playing the worst version of another deck Mm -hmm. i think it was worse um oh what's it called oh gosh it was was worse obzon yeah like, Obzon just did all that stuff, but better. Yep. And I think Rest in Peace was also in the format, right? I think no. Rest, Rest in Peace wasn't in Theros? No, Rest in Peace was in RTR. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, I think Tormod's Crypt was in M15. Yes, Tormod's Crypt was in M15. Yeah. So it had, it, like, the graveyard deck got to ceiling. play a lot of cool cards, though, because it got to play Seder Wayfinder. Oh yeah, which I know is one of your favorite cards. It's oh, one yeah. of my favorite cards, Ooh. and it also got to play the spider. Do you remember the spider? Oh gosh, uh, one green black for an enchantment creature. It's like a two three in the beginning. Of your upkeep, you mill a card. Nick's Weaver spider. Yep, yep. 
Yeah, you and then you a card. got to like you could sacrifice it and get a card back from your graveyard. Yeah, it's like you paid like one green black or like three green yeah, black. I think so. And you got to one just, green black. You just got to pick something out of your graveyard. Yep. And it was like a reasonable body to like block. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it was a fun deck, but it kind of fell off as like Abzan was clearly the best thing. But yeah. again, this is, you know, the difference with like Arena. I think Saltai hung around longer than it would now. Probably. Right, because like I think like after like three days, people were like, oh, Saltai's bad. Abzan's good. But, you know, you got like a month of playing Sultai before it was like, eh, maybe Well, I mean, Sultai came back for a resurgence towards the end of the format, too. Like mm-hmm. like you said, it was around early, and then it kind of went away when Abzan got popular. But then, like, it was back in a big way towards the end of the format as well. Yeah. All right. So we've got some cards here that, uh, that were super hyped before the set came out. This was just from, yeah. like, memory. But... I was really hyped about this one. Okay, what's the first one? And then it was terrible. Uh, Empty the Pits was the Black Mythic with set mechanic. So it was XX, Black, 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 I believe. And uh, it had Delve, and you made X zombies. Yes. So it just made like a ton of zombies, except the problem was all of the other Delve cards were way better. (laughs) Way better. Yeah, like you couldn't play four treasure crews and like even one of these because like it just consumed all your graveyard. You you had to be careful how many delve cards you put in the same deck. So you really like a control deck wanted this to like close a game out, but by the time a control deck was ready to close a game out, they didn't have a graveyard left because they'd delved their graveyard away already. Yeah. And also <clears throat> these are tap zombies. Yeah. Yeah. So like you don't even get the like I'm gonna like take my turn and I'm gonna windshield wiper tap my lands. You know, just take your forearm and just go like these are all tapped, make yeah. five zombies, and then you just die because you can't block with them. Well, I mean you really couldn't do that anyway though. Like even if you didn't have a graveyard and you're trying to hard cast this thing, that's six mana for your first zombie. Yeah. You're not gonna even if you had eight mana, you're making two zombies. I was I was doing the dream of fourteen mana <clears throat> to make five. No, okay. <laughs> but so you got to fourteen mana. Okay, let me get paid off by dying when I'm right. tapped out because you didn't give me anything to block with. So yeah. it was one of those cards that I'm sure that like red powerful in yeah. like future future league. But just didn't work out, or like I mean, they've got to be tapped. Well, that used to be like zombies used to be slow, so they always came yeah. to battlefield tapped. Yeah. Now they get to fall apart. <laughs> yeah. Now they fall apart. <laughs> they are they are fast but fragile. Do you think that that could have been a card, like X black 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 black, like just lop off one of the X's and just give them all to Cade? Yeah. Keep delve. Give Maybe. them all to Cade. You get like one swing with them. They can't. Bl- you still get the can't block problem in your first zombie. Is it five mana? Like you yeah. have to spend like, like it, right. It, but you get paid off way harder. You do. You do. like your your fourteen mana is you know, ten zombies pit, turns into ten zombies. Yeah, maybe. And with with delve, you could probably get there. Yeah, but it was it was too safe. But it was super good. Now, 
I think we remember these this next one a little different. We have Sarkin Dragon Speaker. Yeah. So I remember people being super <clears throat> hyped for Sarkin. One person in particular going around and trading for every Sarkin anyone opened during pre-release at like $40 <clears throat> going into pre-release is what Sarkin was at. So I don't think that was going into pre-release. I think that was like during pre-release weekend. But see, I vague, I remember it being that like everyone was super <clears throat> psyched for Har- uh, Sarkin, and then we all played Sora and Solemn Visitor, and yep. went, "Oh, oh, this card's nuts! This is way better." And I remember mm-hmm. them almost like flip flopping, where like Sarkin. It, went no, it down. did die off super quick, but I think it was like the first week. Yeah, like, up up until pre-release, like nobody was thinking about it, and then as soon as people played with it during pre-release weekend. They were like, oh my god, this thing's nuts. And then at actual release, it had died off to nothing. Yeah. Cause like it just didn't fit in any of the Jeskai decks. Yeah. Yeah. It was maybe at best like a sideboard juke you could play. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was it was wild to see like that like flip of like everyone wanted Sar- uh, Sarkin. And then it was like, nope, nope, we were wrong, Soren. Just give us Soren. Soren's like nuts, unbeatable, can't beat Soren. Yeah. Um, remember someone like borrowed a Soren and what left with it from the store? Oh no, I don't remember that. Yeah, uh, and uh, shopkeep knew who it was, and like the guy didn't come back for a long time. Hmm. Because like he was like, oh yeah, I'll give you the five bucks for it later, and then it was went to like twenty five dollars oh. or thirty dollars in the intervening time, and he just never came back. Oh wow! Yeah good times um so but yeah like and then poor sarka didn't do anything yep sagu mahler i thought this card was awesome it was not awesome (laughs) four see i say four green blue for a six six hexproof trample Mm -hmm. that had morph and it unmorphed for like five it like, was four or five, yeah. It was like three blue-green or something. Yeah, something like that. Uh, looked real good. Uh, it might have been our, like, uh, young magic. Oh, yeah, unmorphed for three blue-green. Oh, trample hexproof when you flipped it over, yeah. So, unmorphed for three blue-green. Um, yep. This is, like, the classic completely and totally unbeatable and limited card. Mm-hmm. But, like... Its main problem was the rest of the teamer cards weren't good enough, and that's the same thing for our next one. Yeah, yeah, it was a joke. Like, Simic was completely unplayable. Yeah. But, like, you look at it, and you're like, oh, if I stick this, I just win. Mm -hmm. But, like, there wasn't anything to bridge you to... I mean, like, that's not even the case, though, because look at the other creatures that were being played. Yeah. Like, Siege Rhinos and Wingmate Rocks. Like, I mean, I get that a 6-6 is bigger than a Siege Rhino, but you also drained them. And, you know, Siege Rhinos always traveled in packs. Yes. When you drew one, and, you always drew, like, the second and the third shortly yeah. thereafter. And Sagu Mahler doesn't get through two Wingmate Rocks. Nope. Well, doesn't get so, through one, one Wingmate Rock, because it made two. Well, yeah, that's what yeah. I meant. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, it just didn't line up well. But like, I remember being like, "Oh, this card's really good," because you're like, "Oh, I, it doesn't die. It's yeah. really big. I can flip it on five. And, you know, now we have three mana, six six, draw a card, gain three life, put a land into place. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, like this was also like Siege Rhino and C- uh, Sagu Mauler. Also, and Wingmate Rock, like you look at uh, Siege Rhino and Wingmate Rock, they paid you when they entered the battlefield. Right. Right. Sagu Mahler didn't pay you. And the morph mode was awkward because if your opponent knew that you had Sagu Maulers, they really prioritized killing your morph. Right. (laughs) Because they're like, oh, if that flips over, I can't kill it. I need to kill it when it's a 2-2. Yeah, in the like you couldn't even really bluff it either because the playable morphs didn't come until dragons. Yeah, so uh, yeah, you didn't have the like uh, den protector. Yeah, den protector and death mist raptor. Death mist raptor. Yeah, you didn't have you didn't have those. So yeah, he just didn't didn't line up. And yep. then we have our poster child. We talked about it before. We have. Um. And that is Savage Knuckleblade, the card that we all looked at and went, oh my gosh, uh, this is nutty. Yep. Teamer uh, for a 4-4. Four, four. Yep. And I, it had an activated ability for green, an activated ability for blue, and so, a green act, or a activated ability for red. Yeah, so it was, I, I brought it up because I remembered them, okay. but not, not well enough. So it had, so 4-4 four, four for Teamer. Mm-hmm. Two and a green, it gets plus two, plus two. Activate this ability only once each turn. Because, you know, three mana activate wow. abilities, you gotta, like, you know, gotta cap yeah. those. <laughs> uh, two and a blue, return it to its owner's hand. How do you kill it? They just bounce it back. And then red, he gains haste until end of turn. So yep. it could be, like, green, blue, red, red for a 4-4 four, four hasty boy. Mm-hmm. Um, so the rest of the team cards were trash. Right. And so there was like no way that you could play big nucks because the support around it wasn't good enough. Right. Yeah. Like if you were going to play like Corsair of crew fix, which is a good green card, you'd rather just play Obzon. Right. If you're going to play, like, a good blue-red card, which I can't think of any offhand that were in that set, right, you're going to play Jeskai, right? Mm-hmm. You just got this weird squeeze that, like, the blue and the red cards seem to fit better in Jeskai. The green cards fit better in... that you'd want to play this fit better in Abzan. Yeah. And then the blue-green cards, right, a lot of those were tied to being Saltai. Mm-hmm. So it was just kind of in this, it was this kind of missing power. Yeah. Like Savage Knuckle Blade, as it is, is a powerful card, but it just never had the support around it. Yep. Right. Like it's on par with like Anafenza in terms mm-hmm. of like power level, but Anafenza had Abzan Charb and Siege Rhino and right. Thought Seize and all those other cards we talked about to prop up. A three mana four four, where Savage Knuckle Blade didn't have that. It was like didn't. 
Am I good enough? No. Well, crap. I guess I don't get to get played. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. You but... can either play Knuckleblade or Rabble Master. Yeah, like those are your three drops. Good job. Yeah. Uh, now, did I play a teamer deck and enjoy it? I did. Uh, but it did not, uh, it was not great. Mm -hmm. This is the one where I went to my parents' house in Ohio and I just went into a random shop and played like their Saturday tournament with like teamer pile of cards in one. <laughs> and they were just like, oh my, this deck's so cool. Like this is, it, this is not replicable, but yes, <laughs> for this, yes, my like, was it back to, back to nature. And I like blew up three of your coursers. Yes. Yes. Ah. The, the, the tech is good. But not yeah. good enough to consistently play. Yeah. Um. So we've kind of touched on like all like the key standard cards, right? Mm -hmm. The Abzan Saf and Sadisi and Wingmate Rock. Yeah. Now we had um, here like oh good. I was going to say there's one very important thing that we only kind of glanced over for a moment. Uh oh. Um, and it definitely rolls us into our next category. And it's that this set had fetch lands. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So up until this point, the only fetch lands that were legal in modern were the Zendikar fetches, the enemy mm -hmm. fetches. Um, the original fetches were way back in Onslaught, which meant they were legacy legal, but not modern legal. So not only did this set reprint fetch lands to get them into legacy players' hands and EDH players' hands, but it also made them modern legal. So yeah. that modern mana bases could be, you know, quote perfect. Yeah, because modern had like the had the allied the like they had uh, bloodstained mire, but they also mm -hmm. had the red black fastland. So like yeah. your your mana bases were more tilted towards the allied colors. Well, no, you didn't have bloodstained mire. No, you didn't. Sorry, you didn't have bloodstained. You mire. had like verdant catacomb. Okay. So you were able to like Golden split. Card. You were able to split. Yeah. I'm sorry. You were you were able yeah. to split where you had like verdant. So your Jun mana base had to be verdant and bloodstained mire. Not not blood. Gosh, uh, black cleave cliffs. Mire. Black cleave cliffs. Yeah. There we go. That's yep. what, the fast land, right? Because yep. you're missing part of the fast. You're missing half the fast land cycle and half the fetch cycle. Yeah. But they were, A lot of times you'd play like off color fetches also. Mm -hmm. that with your shock you could like roundabout get to what you needed to get like you might play a i don't know scalding tarn or something in your jun deck because that got you stomping ground and blood crypt. right yeah uh more difficult times but yeah <laughs> so what were our important non-rotating cards uh the first two, Dig Through Time and Treasure Cruise, right? Insta-ban. <laughs> Insta-ban. Uh, yeah. Was it Bob Wong went from, like, was the first person to just throw four in Delver? Yeah. And was like, oh, this is busted. <laughs> Seems good. Seems good. And once Treasure Cruise got banned, it was like, Dig Through Time. Oh. Yeah. Dig Through Time went into Omnitel. Mm -hmm. The mono blue omniscient show and tell deck. Yep. Uh, that, oh gosh, Chris Van Meter played all the time. Mm -hmm. um, we have Monastery Swiss Spear. Yep. That I mistakenly. Burn Agro All Star. That I mistakenly told a shop owner uh, 
It's like, oh, you're gonna get rid of your goblin gods because people are just gonna play monastery Swiss spear over it. And he's like, they'll just play both. And I was like, I don't know, man. They just play both. <laughs> they just play both. Yeah, shows what I know. Shows what I know. That's why he owns the store. Uh, stubborn denial. The yeah. like ferocious counter spell. Yeah, crazy. It's like the only card out of like the teamer wedge that uh did anything <laughs> um um teamer battle rage excuse me oh yeah in the same deck right in the same deck in death shadow <laughs> in death yeah. shadow when you get one mana five fives that turn yeah. all of your other things on yes stubborn denial yeah uh and then heart scales yeah sees play in affinity and the you know, walking ballista decks, yada, yada, yada. Dice Factory. Dice Factory. Right. And that was a card that no one liked that didn't really do anything in standard. So it's like... Green. Uh, that card was super cheap. Yeah. It was green for an enchantment that just... Uh, if you would put a plus one, plus one counter on a creature, put that many counters plus one on it. Yep. And so, like, we've seen that effect now on creatures... And on like other enchantments, this is like the the one that was like first, and so like mm -hmm. just allows you to like go wide with things and yep. make them really big, especially when you got uh, what is it called? Oh gosh, what is it called? Uh, uh, gosh, winding constrictor, uh, winding walking blister and winding constrictor later on. Yeah, hanger back walker, I guess, was first. Yeah. Um. Yep. So what are the uh, what are the lasting effects of this set on the game? Well, I mean, we kind of talked about it already. Yeah. We definitely recognize Morph as a way to uh, fix a limited format. Or not fix, but, you know, help it out. Um, make it, you know, give, give you something to do with your mana early as well as kind of fix your mana. And then a mana sink later on. Yeah, um, also, like, another thing to think about is, uh, gold-colored cards are just, like, extra powerful, mm -hmm. right? So, with, like, New Capenna, the fact that you're having to cast, um, cards of three colors means those cards have to be more powerful. Right. So you're gonna have a bunch more... That's just what we need is more powerful cards. Yeah, but I would I would guess that like, with the fact going forward that we have the, oh gosh, whatever the pathways, mm -hmm. plus, uh, we have all the slow lands, right, right, and then we have the triomes. Like, mm -hmm. there's enough mana that you're gonna be able to cast these cards, right. So, Ooh, are we going to go back into four color standard? Oh, uh, can we not have what was it? <laughs> Moist Abjadan? Yeah. Uh, Dark Jess guy. Also, also, the, um, uh, what is it? A thing that the, the, this had a lasting effect for. This gave us the names of the wedges. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. The wedges weren't named. So yep. Jess guy for the longest time was America. Yep. Um, Abzan was junk. Yeah, and then you had um, oh gosh, what is it? Um, Saltai was bug. That one we've yep. not really like shook. 
bug still yeah, around. No, I still call it bug, yeah. Yeah. Um, Mardu was, was it Dega? Like named after some weird card from I, mean, I don't know. Onslaught, Plane Shift, like one of those old obscure sets. Yeah, but I think it was a Dega. Yeah. But I'm not I'm not sure. But yeah, so you had um so there really wasn't a like reasonable name for all of the uh the appar- wedges. Yeah, apparently if you search for uh Dega in Scryfall. Yeah. Uh, apparently that's Dega Volver is the card's name, I think. Oh, I was gonna say I just got a bunch of cards not in English. Oh really? If you just put in D A G A, which I probably spelled it wrong. It's D E G A. D E G A, okay. Yeah. Again, hooked on phonics got the West Virginia, so I can't help these people. That doesn't help either. Uh these cards are at least in English though. <laughs> oh no, you're right. Yeah, Dega Volver. Yeah, and that's because it's it itself is not Mardu, but it has a kicker cost that it, it's one in the white, yeah. and it can either be kicked for one in a red and or sorry one in the black and or a red. Yeah. So yeah, so yeah, this gave us this was the first time that we had like official Wizards approved names mm-hmm. for the uh, for the wedges. Uh. Yeah, and this was well, wasn't this set's fault, but this was the start of like like Magic's resurgence. Mm-hmm. Like this is when like Magic started to really pick up and gain some momentum. Mm-hmm. Uh, going forward, right? Uh, we talked about giant pre-releases. This is when like um, when like if you listen to like the Resleavables and they like talk about GPs from sets around like right after this, yeah, like that's when you get like, you know, the thirteen hundred person GP, the two thousand no, I mean, person GPs. Like they would sell out. Yeah, like you couldn't get in them. Yeah. So like it was very, like this is when Magic was like at its like, you know, its kind of second peak. Mm-hmm. Like it kind of like. It fell off after like years before and it was like slowly getting better and improving and then like it blew up around this time. Mm-hmm. So I think we shared most of our stories as we went along. Yeah, I, I really couldn't think of any other uh, like specific stories. I we will, weren't okay. really like traveling to tournaments yet. No, 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 I, no. It wasn't at least. I wasn't. Um, no. I do. I will say that. So a lot of people took the Abzon kit. Uh, for the first like two pre-releases, yeah, and Outlast is a painfully slow mechanic. Yes, right, and like the first and second pre-release, like every round went to turns because mm-hmm. there was always someone just like putting counters Plugging on away. things, or you'd get the mirror where they couldn't outsize the other person's things, yeah. so they just never could attack. And it was just misery. I just remember being like, and but as the weekend went on, people stopped playing Abzan. But mm-hmm. those first couple pre-releases were just like glacial. Yes. Yeah, so, oh. so with all that, I think we have given everyone a history lesson 
on cons. Ooh, back in our day. Back in our day, you got suited packs. <laughs> so, um, with all that, I think we got a show. Yeah. So, we have a show. Um, like we said, we're probably gonna like visit a set maybe once every set release. Yeah, every and, so often. Yeah, we're gonna and we're gonna try to just like, I think, just work through our time and magic. We're gonna start at cons. Next step is fate, and we're just going to keep going. Plugging along. Plugging along. So if you have um, any fun decks you remember from those times that you're like, oh, hey, yeah, like the thing I played in fate was this or whatever, you know, or you have other ideas for, like you said, how you want this show structured, you can get at us on social media. All the links are in the description. Yeah. Also, if you're looking to pick up any singles, uh, we would really appreciate it if you use our TCG Player affiliate link, tcg.casualtryhardmtg.com. Uh, really helps us support the show. Um, if you guys want to support us a little bit more directly, you can do so at patreon.com slash casualtryhardmtg. Patrons get access to our show notes. They get access to our pre-show, which, like I said at the top of the show this week, was kind of a show unto itself. Um, and you also get put on my mailing list for when I uh, send out little thank yous to all of our patrons. Um, so patreon.com slash casual tryhard MTG. Uh, chip a couple bucks in, help support the show, and get a little something something in return. Um, yeah. You got anything else for this week, or is that going to do it? I think it's going to do it. So with that, we'll catch you on the internets. We'll catch you on the internets.